This is Days of Films Past, a podcast dedicated to exploring the legacy of cinema. Each and every week, we discuss a different movie that made a lasting impression on viewers like us. I'm James Kennedy. I'm Ellie Edwards. And this week, we'll be discussing 13 Assassins, directed by Takashi Miike. Orgato. Gozaimashita. <laughs> so I guess that's actually the perfect time, gish, perfect time to let people know if you're fluent or a native Japanese speaker, we ask forgiveness. Yeah. So we're going to say a lot of words and names incorrectly. Yup, apologize in advance. Because we're not Don't fluent or native speakers of Japanese. We're going to try it, though. Yeah. <laughs> we're actually, we will do our best. <laughs> so this is our first foreign film, isn't it? Yeah. There's a lot on the list. Mm-hmm. A lot of Japanese movies on the list. And this is our first one. I got to thank you in advance. This Initial thoughts. This is a new one for Ellie. Ellie has not seen this movie until yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday was my first time watching it. And the movie's two hours. I wish it was four. (laughs) I was going to get into it later, but it is a tight two hours. And I appreciate that. If this was an American movie, it would have been three hours long. Yeah. Like the way the movies come out nowadays, it's like why they could have easily trimmed a half hour out of this. This They couldn't have trimmed anything out of this. No. they Yeah. They could have made it longer, but I, I like, I mean, can you imagine though? All right. So we're going to go through everything like we normally do. We actually, we are getting into a rhythm. Mm-hmm. Each episode isn't as Posh. completely different <laughs> as, the, as the one before. So yeah, this movie, about one third of it is one battle mm-hmm. and it is one amazing battle that we'll get into. But so that's why it's like, you know what? Two hours, a tight two hour and five minute movie. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Well, worth it. Yeah, and instead of having it be four hours, you could just watch it twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted to do. In fact, I, yeah, I've watched the extended battle. I watched the movie as a whole once in the last couple of days, but so I watched the extended, extended battle. Like, well, no, no, just that 42-minute battle, basically. Mm-hmm. I've watched it two extra times after finishing the movie. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like something I'm going to be on. So this is your first time. Mm-hmm. And personally... I should have seen this movie years before I did. It's it's 2010. I didn't know when I first started hearing about it from other people that it was a Takashi Miike movie. And I've been following him for a long time. I didn't get into him until probably 2005. Mm. But yeah, he's he's had some crossover appeal with Western audiences. He's won a lot of awards at different festivals yeah. since the late 90s. Yeah. But his first two big crossover movies audition and ichi the killer they're both basically torture porn <laughs> i mean that's the fact that a movie like hostile yeah and it's movies like that got made big part of it has to do with i'd say 
Japanese, this genre kind of led the way on that. Really? Yeah. So. How? <laughs> I'm not into it as a genre. Yeah. So that's why it's like, I didn't even want to watch his movies. But mm -hmm. this guy, since the late 80s, he has directed mostly film, but he's done a lot, a decent amount of TV, but he's direct. He has over a hundred directing credits to his name. Like it's like at least 105, I think. Man, this guy gets around. He's constantly working. His two torture porn movies that got him on the map as far as worldwide audiences mm -hmm. that's not just what he can do i mean he definitely pushes boundaries in a lot of movies you could tell with some I of the mean, scenes from this torture porn yeah <laughs> but he does more than that so first movie i got into his zebra man so zebra man it's a movie that is just absolutely ridiculous but basic premise there's a nerdy school teacher Married, two kids. Son looks up to him a little bit, you know. Son loves him. Yeah. His wife's horrible. <laughs> He's a cuck. And his daughter sucks too. So he, you know, he started going to his own little fantasy world remembering a TV show when he was a kid. And it's like Sentai. You know, like how Power Rangers is like the Sentai team show. Okay. But it's like more like Mass Rider. Okay. So this is the show from when he was a kid. And he starts pretending he starts making his own costume. He wants to be like Zebra Man. Makes himself that costume, and all of a sudden he starts getting powers, and all of a sudden monsters start showing up. Oh shit! There's aliens. This is in his head. No, this is actually happening. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that movie, I felt like it was made for me. It's weird as shit, but so is what's going on up in my head. So like, it fit right in. I so you it. you you liked it? I love this movie. Ooh. So it's on the list. It's okay? on the list. It's on the list. Okay. It's just, it's not for stream right now. And I have it on, it's never been out on Blu-ray, but I have, it's sequel has, and it's sequel's not nearly as good, but I have it on DVD. We'll figure out a way. We'll do it. Okay. So that's my first time getting into him. Started watching more of his movies. I mean, it's, that's when he started crossing over like more stuff coming on DVD over here. But a few years later, he came out with Sukiyaki Western Django. And that movie. I think you, you were, I've, I've talked about it yeah, before. Yeah, you talked to me. So that's like. Well, yeah. It's a Japanese movie taking influence from spaghetti westerns. Western, yeah. Which in turn were made in Spain, Italian produced movies that were based. The first one that kind of set it on the map was based off of a samurai movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like a full circle. Yeah. Yojimbo came out. My favorite samurai movie of all time, probably except what the one we're talking about. Then they made A Fistful of Dollars based off of that. So, and then they made. Sukiyaki Western Django, which was based off a lot of the spaghetti westerns that, you know, were started because of that. So it's just a weird, again, it's a super weird movie. It doesn't make a lot of sense. There's War of the Roses type stuff in there. But you feel it. Yeah, it's great. So when this came out just a few years after that, I should have known about it. So it came out in America in 2011. Mm -hmm. And that was like when I was, that's the year I like moved back to Alaska when I was engaged. And right. Got married and all that. So it's like a busy year for me. Mm -hmm. A lot of transition. So I missed a Takashi Miike movie. Understandable. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> when I first started hearing about it a couple a couple few years later, I didn't pay no mind because I didn't know it was Takashi Miike. And it's like, oh, it's on Netflix. You got to watch it. And then I'm like, it's a samurai movie. And like, mm -hmm. I love samurai movies, but I like, I love old samurai movies for the most part. Okay. I mean, as far as the samurai action movie, there's been a there's some, been some good period pieces, but they're not action movies. Mm -hmm. This film would be what's known as Chambara, 
Yeah. Which is swordplay based movie with swordplay. Right. Okay. So I don't know. Modern samurai action movies, they haven't been super good in a long time. They started in the early 70s. The market had just been going on long enough, saturated basically. Yeah. And a lot of the stars were getting older. So just popularity tapered off. So they didn't get the budgets that they used to. Yeah. They didn't get the star power that they used to. I mean, like Akira Kurosawa could still make a movie with Samurai and it's going to be big, but just like overall, just the popularity wasn't there. So, I mean, they'd still do period pieces that were just really good, but just a traditional action Samurai movie. I hadn't seen a modern one that was that good. I mean, yeah, I'm going to go with this one being my... Yeah. Can I say it? Say it. My all-time favorite. I know. This is... I mean, but you have a lot under your belt. (laughs) <laughs> and I probably have just the last samurai. <laughs> okay, so this is my top two. I like it. Feels like it just depends on how I'm feeling, but right, it's, right. it's tied with Yojimbo, basically. Okay, I mean, but it's the since same director, I've right? loved Yojimbo a long time, what Takashi guy? What's that? I mean, the director. What about him? He's the same guy, right? That directed Yojimbo. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Yojimbo was directed by Akira Kurosawa. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's the one that. A remake of Jimbo spawned the entire Spaghetti Western series, gotcha. like a genre in the 60s. And this is the one that's the top two. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Yeah. Definitely people, my favorite right now. Yeah. When people were telling me about it, I should have been less of a snob well, and I've looked seen, into it. I've seen, I've seen 13 Assassins a couple of times. And I was like, not seen it, seen it, but like the title, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, oh, and I never watched it. So. I know for sure I've seen it once or twice on some, I don't know where it was on, but. Yeah, I seen it, and it's when I, when you told me about it, I was like, I never seen that one. No. I mean, it looks like it's gonna be cheap if you know nothing about it, because most Japanese action movies like Samurai John have been cheap in the longest time. So when I see one, get snobby about it, and I yeah. shouldn't have. I should I should have seen this. I don't think I saw it till 2000, 2015, and it came out in two thousand eleven in America. So it's like. That's on me. Yeah, you were slipping. I slipping. <laughs> you have samurai swords. Mm. You ordered them, right? New ones? Yeah, no, we're still working on it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's dope. <laughs> okay. If So more on that, if we either release the Highlander episode we did or we wait to re-record or add more to it, I, we didn't do enough for it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We recorded two episodes back to back, and then the second one was Highlander, and I feel like we could do better. Yeah. Okay. So we might, we might hold off, but mm-hmm. we'll talk more about swords in the Highlander episode. You want to do the summary breakdown of the movie? Is a summary? Yeah, we could do the summary. All right. Well, a group of assassins come together for a suicide mission to kill an evil lord. That's from Anonymous on IMDb. Summed it up. <laughs> Summed it up. Like, that was the, that's the shortest one I've seen. <laughs> I was like, that's it? But it, it honestly, it catches everything. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So we've already talked about uh, Takashi Miike. Mm-hmm. He is, he's good. Yeah. The start of the movie kind of like gives you a... Uh, it introduces it pretty good. Mm-hmm. So he's done, this was his first period piece that I know of, and it's definitely his, his first samurai movie. He followed it up with another, this is a remake of a 1963 film. Okay, yeah. Yeah, right. and yeah. I still haven't seen it, but it's supposed to be really good. I just haven't seen it available. Mm-hmm. His second one is a remake of Harikari, which is of the same name. And so that movie is, this movie's is absolutely, absolutely brutal when it comes to action. That one's just absolutely devastating as a drama it's tragedy in the truest form but it's so good and it's just you stick with that movie even though it's 
painful to watch that in moments. Most movies that have a lot of tragedy in it usually come up pretty good. Like they have. Yeah. But this is the same director that got on the map from doing torture porn and making weird alien superhero movies. He had to find his way. <laughs> uh, that's like his way is everything. He can do everything. Yeah. And then his follow-up for his next samurai movie came out in 2017, Blade of the Immortal. It's an action comedy. Yeah. It's got a bit of tragedy built in, but it's hilarious and great action scenes. Yeah. I mean, you're spitting a lot of films at being directors. I well, don't know nothing we're, about. We're going to watch all those. Yeah. We're going to watch every single one of those. Do you want to get into the cast? Or you? It's like not really, it's not really important because <laughs> yeah, nobody that's listening to this is probably going to know most of the names we talk about. Exactly. We might just kind of hit them as we go along. Yeah. So... We could start off with the, yeah, we could do the, like, the start of the, the rundown. Movie. Yeah. yeah. All right. It opens and we see a man performing harakiri. Yeah. Or seppuku ritual suicide. Right. And we don't find out why until a couple conversations later. Yeah. But the long and short of it is there's a man named Sir Doi. Mm-hmm. He's in charge of justice for the entire Shogunate kingdom. Okay. And so he brings in. We're going to do Shinzaman. Shinza for short. Is yeah, what everybody that, we're going to go Shinza. Yeah. For everybody that knows him, it's Shinza. <laughs> so he starts explaining to him that there's a problem. Right. The Shogun's half-brother, half-brother is starting to come into power. And he's becoming closer to the Shogun. And the Shogun doesn't have a natural heir. So the big problem is this man is completely fucking evil. Yeah. This man is so evil, and we'll find out through what he does that if given the opportunity, he would, be, he would intentionally cause more damage than Hitler. Right. We realize through someone comes to meet Shinza, that Shadoi introduces to him. His name is Yuki, and he tells him about what happened a year ago with Naritsugu, the evil dude is his name. Mm-hmm. Naritsugu, yes. Yeah. So Naritsugu, a year ago, went over to Yuki's place. They had pretty much... It was hospitality and everything, respect for him coming over. And he sends his son. Well, he didn't send, send his son. He tells his son to tell his wife to go serve him. And Naritsugu just asks what family she's from. And when she says the family, he just straight pulls her hair, yanks her into his room. And then we find out later that... Viciously raped her. Yeah. And the husband comes looking for his wife, finds him in the chamber. Uh, with him and he's just complaining about how his wife was just really really hard to to get a hold on like Why, a monkey yeah like a monkey and then he ends up trying to console her in the same time Natsugu kills him from behind and butchers him pretty yep. much he stabs him through the torso and wife then he goes to try to shocked. hack off his head yeah wife completely shocked tries to hack off the head takes him three chops Nah, Complains and, about his monkey head being hard to cut off. Yes. And then leaves the wife there. She ends up killing herself because, I mean, well, that experience is tragic. Yes. And that's when we realize that this guy is just straight up evil, evil. Yes. So that story is actually told by the father. Mm-hmm. Yuki. Who had lost his, his son and his daughter-in-law same night because same this guy's night. a psychopath. Right. So then we hear about the next story. Yeah, and this is the one that tips Shinza's. I love this part. I'm going to save this for a dope scene. This part is where they reveal to 
Shinza, the worst, I, mean, I don't want to say worst because we don't know how evil this dude is, but one of the worst things he could have done to a human being. So there's workers for the, is it Akashi? Yeah, the Akashi clan. The Akashi clan, which he is part of. Some workers, were, there was a pay dispute. And so if people trying to get the pay that they were owed, he butchers this entire family, except for the, the leader of the dispute that was having the dispute's daughter, who chopped off all her limbs and tongue. And tongue. Yeah. And kept Shinza, her as a plaything. Yeah. And, and Shinza asks her if there will happen to the family. And she writes with her mouth, total massacre. Mm -hmm. And then this she's is the, bleeding out of her eyes. And yes. she, she's just, she's bleeding out of her eyes as she's writing with a paintbrush in her mouth. And when Shinza sees Total Massacre, he laughs because he realizes he has finally met his fate. Yeah, he didn't know. I mean, theme in samurai movies, that especially in times of general peace, mm -hmm. they're trained that an honorable death is to die either you know protecting your lord or in a, a battle, even more so like a battle that is potentially unwinnable. Right. Because he knows he's been called there to take out this person that honestly that's a hard target right yeah. there yeah yes he's a uh, second in command yeah he's, he's so soon he's to join well, the shogun's council he's the shogun's half brother he's well guarded well his personal guard is hanbei yeah 70 strong though just for his normal personal guard yeah and hanbei is his actual right hand man he's like his personal bodyguard which was shinza's old schoolmate schoolmate and used to go to the same fencing school yeah and so they have history hanbei obviously knows shinzo really well same with shinzo and hanbei and it's this relationship of knowing each other that permeates the movie i'm going to save it for post thoughts mm -hmm. but it's their dynamic is it's like a common thread in samurai movies but i've never seen it done nearly as well yeah and it their relationship drives the movie mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. completely and so after this, we get the final act of horror until we start actually seeing him in real time in the movie at Nartsugu. Yeah. So another, another nobleman's family, who's a pretty high-ranking samurai, he's visiting. It's the actual family. What's his name? Who? Yeah, the guy that committed seppuku. Yeah. And it's his family that they're meeting. Yeah. So we come in and Hanbei sees his lord. He's like, my lord, what are you doing? He shoots an arrow through a woman, mm. and then all that's left is a small a small boy sitting upright. They're all been tied up, and everybody's got arrows in them except this boy. I mean, two, three shots, and they, for him to kill this boy. Yeah, it, this guy's a piece of shit, guys. <laughs> he's the most evil person I've ever seen. They did, they did to a film. really good job of the buildup of how everybody's just like, okay, this guy needs to die. Yeah, you he, know. Anybody with any half conscience believes this guy needs to die. He's <laughs> about, pure evil. About this time, it's like, okay, yeah. And we could get into it more later, but he'd be unbelievably evil if his personality and character type, as is shown later, isn't so weak in other ways, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's what makes him even more believable is that he's not a warrior. He's not, doesn't have any strength of his own, yeah. and he's used to just being protected and coddled. And actually, this scene where he massacres his family, we actually kind of see Hanbei's personality come out because he's he's the one with the conscience. Mm -hmm. And he's the one. So we know Hanbei. He knows it's wrong. Yeah, he knows it's wrong. And, you know, as a samurai, their whole thing is 
you do what your master you, you yeah you honor your master and do whatever he says pretty much I, I don't know if it's like the original meaning but it's what it became to mean and it's those who serve and you know it's usually nobility yeah and this guy's a nobleman right and the reason why he chose to go with him before he knew how evil he was he's he's an upcoming family basically once he became actually brought in as an actual son of the previous shogun well he got turned down by the akashi clan right or hanbei hanbei yeah and then they gave him to naritsugu and then he they he earned the rank that he wanted but it was with the wrong person mm-hmm. pretty much but it was still under the akashi clan yeah yeah and that's that was his path to higher status status yeah because that's what's pretty much about yeah <laughs> So that's the that's the opener. It's definitely the hardest stuff to watch in the whole movie. But it's at necess- least they got it out of the way. Yeah, quick. but it's necessary. And even at these, because we consider these slow parts in the movie, because it's the buildup of the story to these fine these action parts that everybody's you know anticipating in samurai movies. But I love the buildup. No, no, it was perfect. Yeah, that and it, I mean it. I read a couple of reviews like yes, slow hour and. 15 mm-hmm. 20 minutes followed by you know a 45 minute epic battle but it's tension building and you also need to kind of dive into a different especially if you're going to dive into a different culture you actually need time to kind of understand it mm-hmm. and so you know try to trying to understand a different culture it's going to need more than an hour but they did really good some of my favorite scenes are in the period prior to the battle yeah yeah me too so i think it's perfect actually one of the one of my favorite scenes is what happens next where it's a the montage and i say getting to 12 so it's 13 assassins but to get they start off with 12 to begin with yeah you know they first it's just shinza's people that are under him yeah so shinza has a really good friend kuranaga is that eight i think total with kuranaga and the rest of his guys yeah because he they have like five guys with them and he has himaya Himaya. it's the guy he's training it's his Mm -hmm. apprentice pretty much yeah and this guy so that's five, and then he brings in his nephew too. He's pretty much getting his group of yeah. summarized, and they don't want just anyone because they all have. It's understood from that first scene. This is basically everybody's going to die. Yeah, and it's understood that basically everyone associated with his clan basically is going to need to die. Right. So yeah, definitely like a suicide mission. It's a suicide mission. Yeah. So the building of the twelve—that's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah. And then it's just getting the initial team together. And we got his main dude. What's the main guy's name again? His main buddy? Kuranaga. There he Yeah, Kuranaga. Kuranaga. And that's Shinzaman Shimada is our main guy. So his Ronin friend that he trained, Shinza trained, and brought him under his wing. Hiriyama. That's Hiriyama, yeah. And then Hiriyama had his own apprentice that he'd been training. Mm-hmm. The youngster. Yeah. A guru? Aguda. Mm-hmm. He's a young dude and Shinza knows it, but Kuranaga says you can't measure a samurai by the length of his life. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah, he's like a 16 year old, 17 year old. Yeah. Who was ready to die for a cause. I mean, he, yeah, he kind of, Shinza asked him about his family. Just to, Came from a low family. Mm-hmm. Mom, dad, both gone. And he just wants to, everybody wants an honorable, noble death. Yep. Spoiler. They get it. <laughs> one of my favorite scenes is when he recruits his nephew yes shinro the 12th member yeah because he sees his nephew at a his night out gambling 
And we find out he's hanging around. He's a womanizer, you know. He's a player. Gambler. Yeah, gambler. Player. And that whole, I would say, they call it script, whatever, the dialogue between them, that was dope because they don't even talk about what it is. They use an analogy of gambling. I guess the best word for me, he was courting his nephew for a suicide mission. Yeah. And they were talking about what real gambling was, like a true gamble. Yeah. He was doing this to pique his his nephew's interest, but he never once asks him to join. Great salesman. Yeah. Great salesman. Never once asks him to join. So his nephew, he goes home. Let's hold on. Let me see. Shinruku. Shinrokuro. Shinrokuro. He goes home. And Shinro. <laughs> we'll call him Shinro from now on. Yeah. He goes home. His wife's there. And he's talking about how he he met his uncle. Yeah. And he's like, oh, what, how'd that go? And he actually just starts thinking about it and then grabs his swords and leaves. He, leaves. <laughs> he says goodbye. He's like, you know, if, I, if I'm not back, wait for me where the dead come to pass. Yeah. Where, where they go for the Japanese version of Day of the Dead. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. These Japanese have a really good way of saying things, <laughs> saying everything. It's like they talk in quotes. <laughs> Bitten riddles, yeah. No, yeah. actually, you've seen Last Samurai. Yeah. Remember when the portly Englishman was talking about the way they negotiate and the way they talk? Mm. No one ever says what they mean. <laughs> it's up to the, per- the person listening yeah. to decode it. Yeah. So, yep. <laughs> and it was definitely perfect example of that so that that's 12 but that was you know that was the best part about getting there it's followed up by a it's a training sequence where everybody's getting ready to actually do battle and i loved it it's not like a standard montage montage but it just felt very realistic on what they'd be practicing because they're trained samurai but most of them have never been in a single battle right so they they're doing real real practice combat to get them ready right because this is at a time of peace, right? So yeah. there's nobody, no one has fought in years. Right. I mean, there might have been skirmishes or protecting someone yeah. or having to go clear some land, mm-hmm. but pure battle. No war. No yeah. wars. Yeah. And that's what they're trying to prevent. Yeah. <laughs> they're trying to prevent the kingdom from falling into chaos by this evil man assuming power. Right. And yeah, so training starts and then their training is stopped and their, their plotting stops because Hanbei comes and visits. Mm-hmm. Which is like, you know, at the same time, this is, they're respecting each other. They know each other. And Hanbei goes over, tries to talk Shinza out of it. First, they speak in riddles. <laughs> yeah. But they get to the point actually quicker than most, most conversations. Yeah. Though. And then they realize that the next time they will meet is on the battlefield. Yep. So that was a dope scene too. So they're eventually waiting for uh, Naritsuga to travel back home to Akashi Domain. Yeah. And once they find out when that's going to happen, and they've figured out where they're going to intercept, that's when the plan comes into play. Yeah. Actually, this is the part where Hanbei actually gives us more information on Shinzo, because then we realize what he was, what he used to do. He used to be a lead guard for mm-hmm. the Shogun. Remember? Yeah. Well, that's when he, when he, before that scene is when Hanbei is he finds out that. Oh yeah, Shinzo was meeting with Yuki with Sir Doi. Sir Doi. Well, yeah, yeah, Sir Doi's man. Yeah. So they find out that Shinza had been in contact with Sir Doi, the one that brought him in. Yeah. Because after, and the reason why he would, would even try to figure that out is who's talking to who is because he's talking with some people who said, after Mamiya, 
yeah. the man who's lost his entire family to arrows because this guy's a psychopath. Yeah. After he committed seppuku or, or harakiri in protest. Right. They knew that somebody sure. was going to, yeah. justice had to be dealt out. Yeah. And, and Sir so Doi couldn't do it through the Shogun, so he did it on his own. Right. And so I kind of like throughout certain parts of the movie where Hanbei is, he sends out, you know, spies and trying to, you know, stop them from doing what sh- he knows Shinzo is going to do. Because mm-hmm. he knows that the he pretty much gives himself foreshadowing. He's foreshadowing his his fate because he knows Shinzo too well. He's like, at the end of the day, he usually comes out the winner. And I'm like... He's not overly aggressive. He doesn't overplay his hand. Yeah. He's patient. He waits. And he digs in. And he digs in. And he digs in. <laughs> Hanbei is the reason why we know everything about Shinzo. It's great exposition, yeah. honestly. It's the way he's describing him to his underlings about why this person's a... He says we were dealt the worst hand. Right. It being him. Yeah. Not some well-known big family where this guy is just persistently brutal and can just he gets the job done. And he, that's why we stick to Shinza's every move is because Hanbei's great buildup of this Shinza's character. Gave us reason to respect him. Yeah, I'm like, we didn't even know who this Shinza guy is because he was just fishing mm-hmm. when we first saw him, just a no nobody at the, in, in in a lake somewhere. Until he was called on by Sir Doi. Mm-hmm. So once we find out where they're going and how they're going to travel and where they want to intercept at, right? then he dispatches some guys to the town that they want to intercept at to buy it. Yeah. Yep. So they straight clear through them real quick, right? Well, yeah, he's the head dude at the town. I don't know what position he actually (laughs) held, but he says, of course, of course we'll do this if requested by Sir Doi, but it's going to be hard to convince the village. Right. And then one of the dudes plops down a, a case and opens it up and it's all gold. gold. It's all gold. And the leader of the, the village just falls back. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. Ha ah! Yeah. Yeah, because they're plotting that the route that they're taking, there's only two ways around it. And so they try to stop it from one route to do it, just have one route. Yeah. So the town... They're funneling them. They're funneling them. Yeah. So yeah, the other town... The it does it happens a bit later, but we'll get into it now. But the man who lost his son and his daughter in law, that's this, one of the ways through is through yeah. his town. Yeah. And they block the road. Yes. And then when Naritsugu decides that he's not gonna be blocked because that's not that's not what he's gonna accept, yeah, they straight pull out guns. Guns. <laughs> not bow and arrows, not swords, they straight some musket looking yeah. sons of bitches. So they block his way. Hanbei is not going to let him go that route and get shot. Right. And this is where, you know, Natsugu takes his first chin check. And he's, like, it's the first time he's ever not gotten his way. Yeah. And his ego and pride is, he's looking at Hanbei in a way where you want us, you want me to go your way? Sounds exciting. Yeah. But it's him being sarcastic. Yeah. Because he's an evil dude. And he's like, we're going to do this my way, mm-hmm. but we're going to go your, your route. Yeah. So, and then... After they don't cross the bridge to protect the rest of his clan, dude who lost his family commits Harakiri. Yep, Harakiri. And it's so he can, because the secret would be safe with mm-hmm. him. Of that, why it was done. Yeah. So they're trying to make sure that, you know, everything goes to plan, nothing gets spoiled, and it ends up 
working. Along the same timeline, the crew that didn't go pay off villages or instruct other people to block the road, they come through a village and they meet a bunch of Ronin. Ronin. And these shitty Ronin have been paid off to, to stop them. Yeah. Well, they quickly kill all them without, <laughs> without a scratch. Yeah. But they realize there might be more people along the road. And if it's a larger force, we might actually get some damage and not be able to fulfill the mission. Right. So they decide to cut through the woods. Yeah. Cut through the woods. And this is when they get lost. Mm -hmm. And they end up finding another dude trapped in a cage, hanging 15 feet in the air. Yeah, it was like Mad Mardigan in Willow, which you probably haven't seen, but we'll watch nope. it eventually. <laughs> but it's Kiga Koyota. Koyata, and yeah. he was one of the main characters in Sukiyaki Western Django. He was the main bad guy. He looks familiar in another movie too, and I'm, it's he's, probably... But he's He's, he's been around, in some right? things, yeah. yeah. The first movie I ever saw him in was Kashern, which was based off of a 70s anime. Yeah. Pretty good. It was a futuristic action movie from Japan in the early 2000s. Well, he has a great Japanese presence to him. Like he, he fits the comedy that most Japanese movies have in this film. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure they use him in other films like that as well. Mm -hmm. So we find his story is he was a hunter mm -hmm. and he, he worked for a man, but he was in love with the man's wife. <laughs> and so this doesn't have the wife's name, but he's always, he's always saying the wife's name. But I, I can't Sh Sham Shupu or something. It's, it's something. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> but he always says it longingly. Yeah. So they cut him down, mm -hmm. and he's as he says. Well, they explain the predicament. Well, if you have food, I'll show you the way to the road. Yeah, and he becomes their tour guide. Yeah, gets him through the woods, <laughs> boggles them with his weirdness. It's funny. Bugs. It's funny when he says, "If you have food, I'll take you." Look. But he starts hunting on the on the way out. Yeah. So I'm like, this guy. Could have got his own food. He just wants to be there for the... Yeah, he wants to see what happens yeah. on, on the trip. He's a little agent of chaos, a little mischief maker. Yeah, you, you know this guy has some kind of secret to him because the way he's moving around these woods and hunting, how, he's look, swinging... He's swinging how did he get that rabbit? <laughs> you can't see the floor of anywhere. No. Like, it's all, not brush, but it's all low plant life. You can't see the, you the, can't floor, see the, the floor of the forest. He hears something moving. And he stops the tour guide. He stops the tour and swings his slingshot, kills this thing, grabs it, and just... Yeah. It's a David and Goliath type sling <laughs> that he uses, and he, he gets a rabbit. Yeah. So this guy's cool. Yeah, we like him. Yeah. They eventually make it to the road. Mm-hmm. Find their way back, and then they go get into town and start prepping for hopefully what they are betting on is that Naritsugu and them take that route. So. Yeah, after the training session, this is my third favorite scene, and it's preparing the town for battle is what I wrote, but then I remember when, last time when I watched it again, it was uh, creating a village of death. Because <laughs> they went to town on this village. Yeah, and we'll get into it more when we get there, but mm -hmm. watching the prep for it, you're like, ooh, this is interesting. What do they got going on? And right. The payoff of actually seeing it, I just, I liked how they were doing it. I was like, you guys are making good progress. Oh yeah, things are going good. Yeah, because they have a lot of time because- when the Naritsugu takes the 70 to a different route, they just vanish. Yeah, nope. They haven't shown up anywhere they should have by then. So they're wondering if somehow they found another way. Yeah. But they wait. And the samurai, all of them are getting, you know. Antsy. Antsy. They're convinced they need to leave and go find them. Yeah. And then Shinza's like, nope. And this is another. This is one of my other dope scenes. 
just be just because I love this Shinza dude. His ability to be a leader in this whole thing, and and when everybody's questioning him, and his ability to calm them down through these riddles. He he told a fish he just, analogy. Yeah, a fishing analogy is exactly how he got him to calm down. Yeah, you don't just run. You don't get aggressive. Mm-hmm. You, you wait for the early. fish to bite. And then you pull yeah. and let the needle sink in. If you pull early, it's just going to get away. Yeah. Hook, I said needle, but yeah. I mean, that's all need. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll wait. We'll wait yeah. a little bit. Even Kiga, those off just off to the side, they're wondering why he hasn't left. Yeah. But he's just like, he's hanging out. He's sticking around. He's like listening to their conversations, getting interest peaked when he hears Shinza talk. Right. He's like, I think I want to be part of this. <laughs> You know he does. Yeah. But nobody's invited him. Mm-hmm. So he's hanging out. He just hangs out. Eventually. They dub him. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. But until then, they're waiting. They're mm-hmm. getting antsy. One morning, dude runs in on a horse and he's, they're coming. Yeah. They're coming. They're ruining. Mm-hmm. They're coming. Yeah. And, but it's not 70. Mm-mm. How many is it? 200 over 200 it's over 200 over 200 so we're thinking a little little over 200 yeah that number makes sense mm-hmm. later on in the movie. yeah <laughs> over the, 200 over 200 and they're like there's no way 13 or 12 there's no way 12 samurai can take on 200 yeah and then that's another opportunity shinza to bring it back to the fish he's like so what <laughs> when fishing the bigger the fish the better yeah that's when he says he looks over at Kiga. He's like thirteen. Yes, and then we were all like, "Oh, that was awesome." Yeah, because he's—that's what he was waiting. He's been for. waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give me my chance. Put me in, coach. So then we cut back to Hanbei leading the group of Akashi samurai with the Narutsuga protected. Right, and they're going through the town. They're not noticing because. There's a nice fog in, so they're not picking up too much. They're moving slowly. Yeah. But they see they see villagers. They see a little village kid mm-hmm. peeing on the ground. <laughs> like, why is that kid naked? <laughs> yeah. What village is this? Why is he just peeing right there? Yep. Hanbei smiles. He's like, yeah, oh. Yeah, gives a little smirk. He's like, kids. <laughs> but it, it kind of it kind of is like, oh, all right. Yeah. So they're moving along. Naruzuka's being impatient, asking stupid questions. How long till we get there? Right. Are we there yet? Type bullshit. And he starts seeing some villagers. Hanbei starts seeing some villagers going into the woods. He's like, what's that about? Yeah. And then he starts really looking around. He looks on top of the roof and he sees a bunch of katanas just jammed into a little thing of hay or something yeah. up on top of the roof. He's like, he's like, oh, fuck. Yep. And he's, he starts yelling for them to turn around and then what happens? And then they booby trap the hell out of that village because none of them could get out. No. So immediately two giant pieces of wall slam together. Yeah. And... It's just all made out of sticks. Who knows what kind of levers they, they put in place. We didn't see the levers. Them to things make close hella fast. It's a massive wall. <laughs> it's a massive wall. It's like probably 15 feet t- high, but it's like thick. Yeah. And they, definitely a good vantage. And that's when you start seeing and all the, you know, all the samurai, all our samurai up on top of the roof. And what? Kuranaga. Kuranaga's, he speaks for everybody, but he says, you must be the, he basically says, you must be the, the Akashi clan. Mm-hmm. And then he, he says that he represents Shinzeman, Shimada. Yeah. And they basically commemorate their passing <laughs> with through arrow. with arrows. Such a dope way of putting, you're going to die. Yeah. And they start, everybody starts die, shooting. Bro. And they're not wasting their time. They're, most of them are going after 
Naratuga. Yeah, and they all, you know, like always, have to miss the main guy that they want to kill. Mm-hmm. What if they would have just... Hey, Hanbei is good at deflecting arrows with a katana. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, I mean, they did miss a few, though. <laughs> you should have had Koyata just slingshot it, because he wasn't missing the rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's so many times, like, oh, man, I feel like they could have got him there, but it's like the payoff of them not getting him, though. Yeah. It wins in the end. Yeah, so this is the battle is going on right here. Mm-hmm. It was the thick of it, and they're shooting them, killing as much as they can with all their traps. They have the key thing that they're doing is they're splitting them up as much as possible. Yeah, the certain guys go down a certain alley. They block them in. They block these guys in, and then these ones go. Oh, this this is an open area. Let's we can get through here. Right. He's like, well, check it first, and then a bunch of them go in to check it to make sure it's clear. And get blown up. Blown up. Ooh, we didn't mention after they first closed them all in, they tried to retreat. Some tried going back towards the bridge where they came and they blew up the bridge. So that's what kind of kept them there. Yeah. And then we realized how prepared they were when we see four bulls. So this is, that is my least favorite part of the whole movie because- I can see why. The whole movie was basically practical effects, except yeah. for like some blood splatter that we'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. But even that was done really well. Yeah, it was. But the bulls are coming in. The- yeah, flaming bulls. Flaming bulls. Flaming cattle. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it looks like Spain the mm-hmm. Spain during the bull the bull the Yeah, bull running with the bulls. So but they're on fire and it just looks this whole movie that's just so well done. Yeah. Practical special effects. Everything looks completely real, gritty. Yeah. Then you got these CG that you don't it's not close up scenes, like close ups on them, but close enough where you're like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> So, but, but their purpose was they're running through, they're scared, they're running through, and they're just trampling a bunch of these guys. Yeah. So they've knocked it down from over 200 to about 130. 130, which, with 10 each? Yep. <laughs> which we know, as we go along, they had at least killed at least 20. I know, like, when you really think about each. it. Yeah, they, some of them from 130. Yeah. <laughs> so that's when they decide that, uh, all right, enough petty tricks. You know, they've, they got the, they've evened it a little bit yeah. and they've taken out, I mean, a lot of the, with the arrows and everything else, they're taking out all the gu- the gunmen too. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys had rifles on them. So they, yeah. they took out all the people with rifles. There's a couple of people with arrows, but that's when they jump down and it's sword play. Yep. They still had bows. They made still had arrows in their, in their knapsacks. They could have shot more before they jumped, but they were like, you know what? It's time. I know. Actually, I was just like, you got two more arrows. Fucking... <laughs> Kill two of them. Well, it's easy. What are you doing? <laughs> I was like, you guys all have some arrows left. What were they for? You're being wasteful. I know. Yeah. You know what? It's time to get down, and they all get down on the roof, and then this is where the main, where we get to see their skills. Because we don't really get to see it in the first couple of fights. We see it here. Everything happens here. Mm-hmm. That's when we start seeing 13 bad motherfuckers. Oh my gosh, man. So, I mean, just to sum up. Because we can't just describe every minute of the battle because we're not watching it too much. Chills. Yes. It is Ah. the best sword-to-sword battle I've ever seen. I mean, we have these key ingredients coming up. Mm -hmm. This The key ingredient in this one, for me, that sold it is these old guys who we have been talking about them being summarized for so long. They're like, yeah, yeah. They're going to have like special effects of them doing their moves no nope these are some bad ass samurai old dudes well they all right so that's there's 
you got three older dudes and the yeah. rest are fairly young, 30 and under probably. Yeah. But the three older guys, they're so much more experienced and they've been around. There's some bad motherfuckers. No, like they had to have samurai training or something a lot. These guys have to be at least somewhat skilled in real life. With So actually, no. No? He intentionally went for people that hadn't done period movies and samurai movies before. He didn't want them wow. to, so he didn't want them, and it worked out, but right. he didn't want them to ha come in with previous training or previous style, because he didn't want them trying to do it in ways that looked beautiful or looked cool. He wanted it to be gritty and just, they're fighting for their lives for the first time, actually dealing with it. So none of those guys came with a bunch of previous experience. No. All right. Well, these dudes sold the movie for me. They're so good. They're really good. I mean, that the way they move, I don't know if I even can move like that without tearing something. No, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's definitely, that was they crazy. did a really good job blocking out those scenes. Mm -hmm. And definitely every every angle they chose, every like, it worked out so well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, they didn't have any previous experience. And the, the even, even crazier is they filmed this movie fairly quickly. I mean, this is... A, 42 minutes of, of film and they got it in i want to say less than a, like three weeks and that's like a third of the movie that's not that long no they filmed for like two months what they only filmed for two months the whole movie uh-huh three weeks were on this what that's crazy budget i was gonna get into it later but that's actually i wanted to get into it right now when we we're talking about it six million dollars that's it all right so this is a higher budget samurai movie too wow so they like i said they don't invest in them like they used to uh -huh. like there's some good dramas in the 2000s but they don't this is probably the highest budget samurai movie in japan that i up into this period that i can remember seeing but it's it's only six million dollars so just to put that in a little bit more perspective this is a period piece which required fabricating all the sets all the villages from scratch right and it was Everything was very realistic. The clothes look just lived in enough. You watch enough certain period of like Kurosawa and other big samurai movies, the clothes don't look lived in. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have much grit. And especially like the newer stuff, even less so it looks, it doesn't look like, it just looks too shiny. It doesn't yeah. have that age it's to clean, make it seem, clean. yeah, it doesn't yeah. make it seem real. This had every bit of that. Filmed it in two months, $6 million budget, excellent cast, and it looked perfect. Desperado, another movie on our list that we've talked about a couple times already. But yeah. It had a $6 million budget. It was filmed 15 years earlier in Mexico. The entire movie is filmed in Mexico. Yeah. It's not a period piece. It was just modern, modern squibs and everything. They had a couple smaller explosions, but it, they're filming in a town that already existed in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And same budget 15 years earlier. And it's like, Hollywood wastes some goddamn money. <laughs> yeah. I want to say... Now that you talked about the director a little bit, I want to say he had to do it in two months because he was probably working on other stuff, right? Yeah, he's work. So he's been he's been efficient. His career is so weird. He's <laughs> done some music videos. He's done it, but he's directed so many movies and so many episodes of TV. And he'll do made for TV movies. Like he doesn't care. He just wants to do projects that sound interesting to him. That's dope. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of ideas that I want to do with comedy, and I just haven't. I just don't know how to start. This guy is, does that with movies. So, yeah. <laughs> so, 
if I remember right, he wanted to be a motocross racer or something like that. American motocross? I think they got it over there. <laughs> but oh, okay. Takashi Mike was born in the small town of Yao in the outskirts of Osaka, Japan. His main interest growing up was motorbikes. And for a while, he harbored ambitions to race professionally. At the age of 18, he went to study at the film school in Yokohama founded by renowned director Shohei Inamura, primarily because there were no entrance exams. Wow. Yes. He just lucked. Because he could get in, because <laughs> he didn't concentrate on actual schoolwork. <laughs> Don't. By his own account, Mike was an undisciplined student and attended few classes, but when a local TV company came scouting for unpaid production assistance, the school nominated the one pupil who never showed up, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He spent almost a decade working in television in many different roles before becoming an assistant director in film to, amongst others, his old mentor, Inamura. Wow. The V-Cinema, and that's just the direct-to-video, what they call it over there, V-Cinema boom of the early 1990s was to be Mike's break into directing his own films as newly formed companies hired eager young filmmakers willing to work cheap and crank out low-budget action movies. Wow. Mike's first theatrically distributed film was Shinjuku Triad Society, 1995. And from then on, he alternated V-Cinema films with higher-budgeted pictures. His international breakthrough came with Audition in 1999. And since he, then, he has an ever-expanding cult following in the West. I mean, I'm a follower. Uh-huh. All it takes is one movie. I, it really does. First Love is his newest movie. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. It's, he's buddies with Tarantino. I would say it's probably his Dope. most tarantino Tar- I just said it. Tarantino-like movie. Yeah. But it's a good one. Do they bounce back a lot on each other? Quentin and... Quentin, his Sukiyaki Western Django, Quentin guest starred. He played a character in the movie. Oh, dope. Yeah, he, he cameoed. It was, a, it was a couple short scenes, but it was hilarious. Who's the bigger fan? Of them? Yeah. I think they're both huge fans of each other. Really? Yeah. We'll watch plenty of Tarantino movies later, but like he's a generation, one of a generation's favorite directors, but... What he did more for me is I'd read interviews and interviews of Tarantino. We'd talk about movies he loved so, or talk about movies that he loved in his movies. So that it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch that. And just following what he lo- is interested in, I found so much good shit to watch. Seriously? Yeah. Well, we about to watch some of them, right? Mm-hmm. All right. They're on the list? Uh, they're on the list. Mm-hmm. All right. So battle. What, el- what else do we got to say about the battle? Well, uh, we, we didn't really want to get into, did we want to get into the summarize? And you know, them starting to taper off a lot of them. Oh saying. yeah, no, I think once we lose one, one of the, the younger guys. Yeah. So basically, they took about. I'd say they took out about of the one thirty that one hundred thirty that was left. I'd say they took about seventy five percent of them out almost. Mm-hmm. And before, eh, maybe we'll say sixty percent of them before they lost a guy. Yeah, before they lost a guy, and then that's when like they started dying off. Yeah. Quick. And there was a time where almost, because everybody was fighting their own battle in the village, mm-hmm. and then they all started- Coalescing. Yeah. So you start seeing, you're like, oh, wait, you realize that the army, you think in the army is not, is being slaughtered, and there's like only like 30 of them, but then when they all get together and their battles like start to go into a huge brawl, you start to realize that they, there's still a lot left, mm-hmm. and there's been the summers are started to die, started mm-hmm. dying. You're kind of antsy trying to like figure out you know, if they're going to make it out all right. And the, the, the part in this particular scene when they're getting together, I almost felt like Hanbei, like in my mind, I, I wanted to feel like Hanbei was going to do like the last samurai kind of thing where he was feeling guilty that his he, sam- samurais are dying for, you know. Nah, this ain't that kind of Nah, movie. Hanbei's like, 
no, we need to get out of here. <laughs> duty, duty, duty. <laughs> I was like, come on, Hanbei, kill him. You know, you, you mm. know he's evil. Oh, okay. no. I mean, we could, well, we're talking about Naratsugu. As all this is going on, he's watching his personal guard just constantly dying to protect him. Yeah. This whole period, every time Hanbei says, no, it's a trap, or let's go this way, it's like our warns Naratsugu. Naratsugu does the opposite because he knows that his personal guard and every one of these samurai that's on that started off on Akashi side mm-hmm. will die willingly for him and he he just he doesn't feel like anything's going to happen to him so he'll put his entire group of people in danger this whole time and will purposely go towards a trap because he knows he's going to be safe because yeah. people are protecting him yeah yeah so he's just it, he's a piece of shit yeah throughout the whole thing they really embodied his piece of shit character <laughs> yeah and then one conversation he had with Hanbei he says Hanbei, is this what the time of war was like? Mm. Hanbei goes, perhaps. He says it's amazing. When he's in charge, when he's on the Shogunate Council, he's going to bring back the time of war. Yeah. Because it's cause you, cause people can't appreciate life without death. What a sick man. Mm-hmm. What a, but at the same time, that is actually true. It's true on a philosophical level, but people <laughs> die all the time. You don't need to put them at war. Yeah, constantly. you don't. We're we all gonna die. Yeah, we get. They had a shorter lifespan back then too. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have the. Well, the Japanese always been known to have really great diets. Okinawa. True that. Double true. The most centuries. The most centurions. Cent- yeah. Centurions. <laughs> Wait. Centurions. What are, what do you call them? Is it cent- centurions like a, a soldier? <laughs> they are like a, a crew of a hundred. Well. At least what the, the Romans would call a centurion is because they had him in groupings of 100. Mm-hmm. Which, which is funny is because uh, I like one of the sayings that Shinza says in the beginning, man who values his life dies a dog's death. Maybe not the best quote of the movie, but one of them. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those, hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I used to be in a life insurance agent. And so, you know, be, being an entrepreneur, one of the quotes that I, they always you know, want to rally up the troops and give us speeches and stuff during our meetings. And it was always like, you, you have to, you have to find something you're willing to die for. And, uh, I just, I remember that was something that I took on as, whoa, I never really looked at life like that, you know? And even when I played football, I didn't think that I could die in this play or anything like that. I just loved doing playing football. So when he said that, I just, just one of those things like that I've always embodied as after I've heard of it is you always got to find, you got to find something that you'll be willing to die for. A good death. A good death. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. So last samurai, when Aldrin's telling him about the battle of Thermopylae, the three, you know, 300. Yeah. He's like, Oh, <laughs> that is a good death. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny is cause when they realize their fate or like it is a good death, they laugh. When his nephew Shinro came up and said, "I want to take this mission on, and you'd have to kill me if you say no, you might as you, you might have well, to kill me right now." Yeah, and he starts trying to laugh, and they both started laughing because they're like, "We know that this is—he's part of our crew." Yeah, this is it. So yeah, that was that was a good quote. Yeah, so we start losing everybody, mm-hmm. and everybody gets man. Everybody goes out like a boss, taking on many, many, and they all go down, taking out. Everyone around him, basically. Yeah. Hideyama? He, he the truth. He the truth. 
the Shinzo's apprentice, if you guys lost who I'm talking he's about. The, he's the one that was, he didn't belong to a family. So after Shinzo trained him, he was a ronin. Yeah. And then he bring on the little 16 year old. So he was the only one that actually had lots of battle experience out of the younger crowd. Yeah. And we realized that early on when he's like the only- He's the one training all the young guys. Yeah. He's the only one pretty much hands-on with everything. And he's actually the pretty much the protector throughout yeah. the- He's like the protector of the group, Yeah, I want to say. Because he's the young one, but he's also the more experienced out of all yeah, of them. Yeah. I'd say he's probably around late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's definitely the He's got the that leader look of the young- too. He's got that like, don't fuck with me look. He's got like six inches on most of the mm. other samurai. I think he killed the off the most in this whole oh, movie. Oh, guaranteed. Yeah. Just that one scene. So there's there's a whole of this village, there's a whole kind of like separate area from the the main drag where everybody's getting trapped and rolled through and they keep going through little areas back and forth and on roofs. Oh, there's a completely side area. Mm-hmm. And then when they walk in, they're like, what the hell is going on here? All it is is Swords. sword after sword <laughs> after the sword just stabbed into the ground everywhere. Yeah. Have you ever played Bushido Blade? Mm-mm. There is a stage that looks kind of like that, where it's like it's a village that's like burning and it's nothing but swords around. So that was like Bushido Blade all over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was his playground in this in this battle. All he was he was just constantly just grabbing extra swords, slicing, stabbing. Yeah, he, he took out sixteen dudes. One of the rules early on was it's not a summarize use whatever it takes. And in this this scene right here with Himi- Himaya, Himiyama, whatever his name is, he does whatever it takes before mm. he goes. Use your, yeah, use your katana. If mm-hmm. you don't, if you lose your katana, use your short sword. If you lose that, use pick up fist. a rock. A rock, <laughs> rock. Yeah. If you fists, and that's you, how he trains them, and yeah. that's how he that's how he goes out. Mm-hmm. Beaten a skull with rock. Two, multi, a couple skulls back to back. Yeah, that was a dope way of ending off. Maya and his They Aguda. took out a lot of men. Yeah, they both went out together. There's no way that they didn't kill 20 <laughs> guys each, yeah. and some of them much more. You lose count, but then you're also at the same time like, there was way more yeah. that they took out. Than- <laughs> we have to do a search. <laughs> 130. <laughs> I'm watching enough times where I'm probably going to un- count them all. Yeah, and this is about the time when, who's the dude we love so much? Shinzo. Well, yeah, we love Shinzo, but his, his main dude. Kuranaga. Kuranaga. So this is when like he takes out a few guys, and then he starts to move on to more, mm-hmm. and then a good section of town falls over in front of him. At that point, he's like, oh, I can't get through that, and he lets himself die. <laughs> he just collapses and lets himself die. I mean, yeah. He t- and he took outs. So one thing about him is he's the only person wearing light clothing, for the most part, for, for a top. Mm-hmm. But by the time he's done, it is so covered in blood and mud, it's basically black. <laughs> All of them, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But his, like, yeah, his shirt stained right the hell through. Mm-hmm. Then it goes, goes from him, and then it goes to Koyata, the our slingshot, <laughs> mm-hmm. our slingshot guy, who's been taking people out. We forget to talk about what he his feel on him being a nobody compared to these samurai. Right, so that's like a common thread in a lot of samurai. He's the most famous Japanese actor of. I'm going to say all time. I don't think anybody could argue with this. Uh, Toshiro Mifuni. Mm, no, I don't. So he's like in, he was in, he was the star of Yojimbo. He was one of the main guys in Seven Samurai. He was that side character that wasn't an actual samurai mm. fighting with the samurais. And it's that chip on the shoulder thing because samurai do act like they're better than everyone else. But if you're lowly, then you feel like, well, why not me? Why are they so much, so much more important? Right. So he's that character. <laughs> I mean, there's more going on with him, obviously. Yeah. 
So he's like, why are you samurai so arrogant? And he's fucking just taking them out. And he doesn't use any swords, no nothing, no weapons. He's got a sling. He got a sling. He's got a makeshift club where he tied a rock to a stick. Mm-hmm. And at some point he's using kind of like a, a weird old branch. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't need that. He's just killing everybody off with these, what do you call? Not swords. <laughs> he's a manimal. Yeah. So that's when Natsugu comes to him mm-hmm. and they meet up and then he's pretty much talking shit like who are you? What are you doing here? And he's like I had to be here because summarize I thought this would be fun but this was actually just too easy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then they pretty much kill him. Natsugu throws a sword through his neck. Mm-hmm. And then he gets sliced in the tummy. Yeah. And in his just his justification of it is you get a clean, quick death, not like all my other victims. Because mm-hmm. what you just said to me about samurai, samurai being weak, yeah, and dumb resonates. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't respect these people that are they give their life for. Him. No, not in the least. So after that, it looks like they finally made it out. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "My lord, come on!" He's like, "We're not done." He's like, "We're not done," because Shinza and his nephew are waiting outside. Yeah, Shinza and Shinro. And this right here is, I didn't think I would see this part. Samurai tragedy is one of the things that I expect in, in Samurai movies. Because, you know, that's what the, the code of the Samurai is. It's like a beautiful death, you know? Mm-hmm. So you, you know that they, they want, they're going to go out. You just don't know when. So I didn't expect it to go all the way through. Because like I said, I thought Hanbei was going to stop it. Nope. He's still being the little bitch boy. And then everything's going on. And I'm still looking at all these soldiers. I'm like, they're not making it out of this alive. No. Do you what? want to do inventory on, on people that are left? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shinza and his nephew, Hanbei and Naratsuga, and, and two, two, two little samurai guard. So four left on the opposing team have made it through. Mm-hmm. So it's 4v2. And this is the showdown of all showdowns. This is what we were all waiting for. Hanbei. And Shinza, yeah. their battle. So do you want to talk about after we talk about their fight or we can talk about that dynamic that runs through the whole movie? We could talk about that dynamic now. Okay. So I forgot, like I read about it before. I was like, I'm, I got to look this up so I, so I describe it right. But yeah. it, there's this moral dilemma. Samurai, they're meant to serve. Yeah. They are supposed to do what their Lord says, listen, and then that's, that's what their it. life, all their life is supposed to be. But there's a moral conflict because they know it goes against their humanity, some of the things they do in the name of, you know, serving their master and being honorable, that Loyal, form of, yeah, being yeah that, that form of honor. But then there's also that, the human side of things. And then there's, so there's that conflict. Right. And that conflict is called America. Ninjo and Giri. Ninjo is the human feeling that tells you what is right. And Giri is at the obligation of the samurai to his lord and clan. Dang. It says the conflict originated from overwhelming control of the Tokukawa Bakufu government over the samurai's behavior. Often samurai would question the morality of their actions and are torn between duty and conscience. This conflict transcends era and in samurai films and can create the perception of the protagonist as being the moral underdog or a steadfast warrior. Where'd you find that? Internets. Hmm. I combined a few things on this page. Yeah. So when we get into the dynamic, Hanbei, this is 
pretty much what he's been working for his whole life is to get to this status. So he's been always trying to work his way out, and that's why he's so loyal to this guy. Meanwhile, Shinza's just been trying to... He wasn't happy, like, just being in a conversation with his nephew in the, early in the film. is like, he didn't like just being a samurai either. Right. Until he found... He had to reframe how he looked at, at what duty was mm. and what he was doing. And then that's when he decided that he was going to, like, excel in, in different ways than other people. And that's how he became, like, a renowned, you know, guard, basically, yeah. for the Shogun. And so he's that true death for doing something right and laying your life on the line. Right. And then he gives Hanbane out. Mm-hmm. He says, my quarrel's not with you. You're free to go. Yeah. And then Hanbei. Says it's the samurai way. Yeah. For you to tell me to do that, it's like me not being me. Don't yeah, don't lecture me. Yeah. I'm going to protect my lord. Mm-hmm. How's that work out? <laughs> he gets beheaded. Yes, he does. So there are a few, a few exchanges of the blades. They're kind of back and forth. They're feeling each other out. They're talking. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, and then Shinza says, you know, in school, in the dojo, we are always equals. Equals. And that's when, when Hanbei chose to make his next move. He shows where he's not equal. He's, he's smarter. <laughs> he kicks mud into, into his face, knocks his sword away, and then takes his head. Yeah. And he says, I'll see you in hell. I'll see you in hell. That's when the last two guards come rushing in. And Shinro just says, I got him. Yeah. Nephew takes the lead, gets them. And now it's just one and one. Yep. And And this whole time, Naritsugu, or he just, as always throughout the whole fight scene, just saying, that was beautiful. One-on-one, this is so elegant. He's looking at it all within a different perspective of why he's wanting war and all this this, chaos. He takes pleasure in other people's pain. Yeah. So much so that when he kill, he gets his Hanbei's head gets cut off. He just kicks it, kicks it. Gave his life for his master, and then his master kicks his head to the side in the mud. Right, and this is when Shinza has this awesome speech of all the people he is doing this for. Mm-hmm. It's every single, every single one of them that. We see victimized yeah. by him. Yeah, and befell he, his cruelty. Yep, and that he's going to hold, uh, justice going to be served for mm-hmm. these people. And, he, and he's tried saying that people, those people are meant to be Sorry. ruled and his people are meant to serve. And it's, it's up to the ruling class's whims, their lives. Ooh, that's bringing me up to this, what Shinza says because- Oh, uh, you got the quote, perfect. Yeah, perfect quote. Shinza says to him, you're on top thanks to the support from the bottom. Even servants raise against their, their lords. So he's pretty much letting them know, without the people that you're talking about, you, ain't gonna, you will never be anything. Mm-hmm. Shinza should come to America because we need a lot of Shinza here. <laughs> oh, he's dead. <laughs> Shinza. Oh, yeah, we, need, we need more Shinza. <laughs> we, we, we need more Shinza people. Uh, <laughs> I, don't get me started. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We got a not the best time to be Asian in America in a lot of areas. Yeah. Fucking. (laughs) Don't get me started on this, you fucking people, man. Anyway, yeah. Hate crimes are on the rise because people are monsters. And we, yeah. And we got a a president who fucking encourages this shit. You know, I wasn't going to get into some of this stuff, but you know what? If you think it's okay for the president to say things that 
is going to encourage a lot of the racist members of his base to act out on the violent urges they feel, their hate. Fuck you. I <laughs> yeah. think that's okay. Yeah, this, this, this ain't for you. No, nah, man. It's, you don't need to listen to our shit. Nah. But yeah, no, he, I'm, oh man, I'm getting sick of hearing kung flu shit like that. Yeah. Having nah. a bunch of fucking white supremacists get riled up. Mm-mm. So yeah. Definitely, Shinza, definitely. Wait, wait to come until yeah. things change a bit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, that was the first time Naruto kind of realizes, well, no, nah, no, he doesn't. <laughs> they actually go into a talking oh, yeah. about his sword. Yeah, because he takes the covers off his sword handles because they're golf clubs. <laughs> and he, he says, he's just let him know. Nice. You're, golf you're, club. Yeah, you're a f- those are for decoration. Mm-hmm. Those aren't, those are just for show. He said, they're not for any, he's like, decoration is for show. Those aren't, <laughs> you don't use those. So he's like, oh yeah? And he gets mad and he stabs Shinza. Shinza lets him stab and, him. Yes. I was about to say, because he let him. Yeah. Because Shinza understands that he needs to die. Yeah. You know, just so nothing else befalls anybody in the families of those who died under him. Yeah. He needs to die as well. And that's his honorable death. So he lets him stab him. And then as Naratsuga is congratulating himself on stabbing a man who let himself be stabbed, Shinza stabs him. Yeah. And he squeals it, like a bitch. <laughs> this is when we really realize how of a bitch this guy really is. Writhing, squirming, calling out for help. Saying he was scared. Saying he's scared. All the pain he's inflicted on so many other people. Mm-hmm. When he thinks he's never even been hurt before, when he realizes he might die, he's scared. He even finally realizes when he dies that he's not immortal because I, he, I honestly felt like that's what he thought he was, is he was immortal. To have a large group of people always willing to do whatever it takes and protect you, mm-hmm. That's got to make you feel a little bit like a sense of immortality. Yeah. yeah. And being untouchable and unkillable. Yeah, because he's like, so, so death really does come for us all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But things like, he should have been unkillable. There's no <laughs> way they should have been able to do it. <laughs> They're for... fucking badass though. Yep. We love to see that. But yeah, then Shinja cuts off his head. <laughs> his head rolls into a porta potty Did it? It was a, just a little side building. I don't it know. Was I little, it was a little like, it looked like a porta potty with a little hole in it, right? Maybe it did. Maybe. I, I didn't catch that. Yeah, it was a little porta potty. Oh, not good eye. Yeah. Perfect and, uh, place for his head. Mm-hmm. And then that's when Shinja's, you know, lying there and gives. Tells, oh, he tells his nephew, go do what you want. You don't have to be a samurai. Mm-hmm. Live your life. Yep. And then Shinro is walking through the village. And then we get this, we get, the director does a beautiful shot of all the samurai and where they, they ended, you know, their fate, each one of them, a glimpse of where they died. And then we get to, back to Shinro, and he's met by none other than Koyota. Kiga, yeah. Yeah. The, the slingshot guy. Who got stabbed through the neck and sliced in the belly. Who we thought he was, is fine. <laughs> he was just skipping through the village. So it's, you get sense he's like, he's like, are you an immortal? Yeah. And he's like, huh? Feels his neck didn't didn't quite get it. I'm like, because I got the sense beforehand. I was like, he's like some kind of forest spirit. Yeah, he's a supernatural entity. Yeah. Well, I think like I think he died in that cage, but he was like he crossed over to become some kind of supernatural being. Yeah. Because he has a real backstory with that involved real people, and he had real memories I mean, of had, that life. He had scars and everything. So there's he he has. Yeah, he has a history that we don't know of. So I think I think he died in that cage. Mm. 
in the forest. That's a good thought right there. I think you are onto something, bro. I think I am onto something. We better look up some Reddits or something on this guy. You know, there's probably something. You probably something. You know, everybody's have has a little conspiracy of what's going on with the certain characters in this mm-hmm. in these films. But th- this is where I'm like, interesting. So Koyota says, what happened? And Shinro says, everything's over. And you know, he's going to be leaving to America, getting some, some women. And then he was like, going to be a, a, a bandit. Yeah. And he's like, sounds like my kind of party. And he's like, nah, man, go back to your girl. <laughs> he's like, yeah. Yeah. So, man, I don't know if like us describing it made it sound as awesome as it is. But really, if you at all like action movies or Japanese movies mm-hmm. or Asian cinema in general, do yourself a favor. Go watch this. It's spectacular. And then when you finish watching it, do what you want to do and watch it again. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, it, this is exactly what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it used to be on Netflix. Then it was on Tubi for a while. That's where I saw it on, was Netflix, I think, when mm-hmm. I was originally through it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd seen it before, too. And then mm-hmm. somebody suggested, I was like, eh. And then I finally, like, read about it. And I was like, oh, my God, I've been, what am I doing? If you have Hulu, it's on Hulu right now. It's on Hulu. If you want to pay for it, it's on Vudu and Amazon. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't see anything. I thought it was only on Voodoo, and then we found it on Hulu. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it could be on other places. You just got to do your research. But those are the two main ones that yeah. we, we know for sure. Closest to free <laughs> Hulu if you have a Hulu subscription. Yeah. What questions? Should it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I will say, we didn't, we gave our dopest scenes as we went along, but I will say, my super ridiculous mega epic 45 minute battles, my favorite, <laughs> is my winner. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Sums it up. Yeah. It was a buildup. Key ingredients. Okay. I like this part. Key ingredients. The samurai way. I think when you embody that that culture, what they stood for, it kind of permeated the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. So the samurai way, I put in the dialogue. The script was well written. I have the writing as well because it's not just the dialogue. It's they made such a tight, concise story for like, this would have been so much longer and bloated if I felt like any other team made it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that was definitely a key. The old dudes swinging their samurai swords, oh, just that sold it for me. I was like, okay, because I I thought it was gonna be you know other people stuntmen and stuff. No, those the actual actors mm-hmm. doing it. Uh huh. So that that sold it for me as far as the credentials as samurai. So that was one of them, and then the Japanese comedy with Koyota. Okay, oh, yeah, he's a character in a lot of Japanese movies. Not just like him, but that in a lot of these groups of samurais, where there's like that guy that doesn't quite belong to the rest of the group, but he's still willing yeah. to fight, and he represents like the everyday person, even though this one's not quite everyday. Right. <laughs> then he's the non-samurai. Yeah. It's, it's kung fu hustle. You know the teacher who's no one thinks he he's everyone doesn't pay attention. He's like he's just a bum that mm-hmm. has these scripts saying he he can teach you magic powers and stuff like that. It's like one of those characters where like no one takes him seriously until he starts getting into battle and starts showing off his stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. He's a bad man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the comedy in there, the use of comedy was, I'm a comedian, so I always look for that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I want to use, especially in serious films, like I would say this is more serious. Yeah, it's definitely not an action comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely a straight action movie with a lot of good dramatic 
through arcs in the story. Yeah. And there's bits and pieces of comedy in there that makes it, you know, oh, yeah, that was cool. That's what, that's why like, I'm thankful that they got the horrendous stuff out of the way in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. True. So yeah, that was, those are my keys. Yeah. Put Takashi Miike's direction. So good. You kind of have a backstory with the director. So yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I love it. He can do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, limited CGI, mostly practical effects, yeah. really sells it. Cast choices, he chose a really, every person that was in every role, you're like, there might have been somebody else like Phil, but you're not once are you just kind of like, they're not selling it. Right. Everything felt really real. Yeah. And genuine. Mm, good point. I said, excellent production design for a modern Japanese period film. I mean, I've watched a lot of Japanese movies and I say- Come on with it. Yeah. For, I don't know. It's the period- it just looks so good. You know, the design, all the set design, the clothing choices, everything felt really lived in and just like had a real tactile feel. Nothing felt glossy. Mm-hmm. And the cinematography ties in with that always with me. No matter what you do, like as far as costume choice, anything like it, if it's not lit properly, it can lose that. And yeah. I think like at the last, I want to say the last 20 years, a lot of modern samurai movies, I, f- I feel like they're lit for like, like a TV movie. And this is like legit. Everything just feels real premium. Well, you know, with your love for, you know, international movies, especially, what would you say your taste in film is more directed towards? In what way? Oh, uh, well, just with action. and. So most of my favorite movies are going to be some form of an action movie mm-hmm. or action comedy or sci-fi. Yeah. I mean, I love a lot of dramas. I think you're more into romantic movies than I am. Yeah, more, more, more so because action, you just, I'm a, we'll say this, Fast and Furious. Just everybody's trying to get action to a point where no one's going to ever believe it, but somehow everyone loves it in a movie. Just gets outplayed. So that's why action film for me is just like not my genre, really. I know, but then you watch something like this that's so well grounded. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, it's a different. A lot of Hollywood action over the last few decades... It's like it's full steam. Matrix kind of reset a little bit so we could do some different stuff different effects but it just feels like a really homogenized look to everything real slick they're all edited the -hmm. same way you know and then it takes a certain type of movie like to the last mad max movie fury red like it takes a movie like that movie's just like so different so grounded it's like you haven't seen Mm. it before then if you watch a lot of foreign films right now when it comes to action for outside of america indonesians are doing insane stuff right so like the raid movies we're gonna watch those crazy but yeah a lot of good japanese directors over the years a lot of good chinese directors for action movies over the years this is a side note because this is my first time meeting you of course i had to see the tattoos you want to get into your your tattoos oh i have tattoos (laughs) yeah (laughs) dope tattoos i got a couple of japanese style sleeves i started getting tattooed when i was i want to say 20 just turned 21 yeah starting getting tattooed in la Actually, no, before I turned 20, my first tattoo, my brother and I went to LA when I was 20, mm-hmm. we went to LA to go apartment hunting. And yeah. I was, my brother went, crashed out at the hotel early and I was just kind of walking down, rocking around Hollywood Boulevard, Sunset area. Just there's some, we've been drinking. I decided I'm going to get a tattoo <laughs> and I got a, a tattoo on my stomach. And then I was like, oh, that's going to be the last time I get a tattoo drunk I, I, on the flight back to Alaska the next day. I was like bleeding through. <laughs> the bandage and everything because it's you know alcohol thins your blood uh-huh. so I, was, I bled out a lot of ink so i was like i'm not doing that again the tattoo guy did he warn you i mean <laughs> those tattoo artists those 
on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood and it's off sunset. Yeah. They're they're not the best. <laughs> True. Those are like tourist tattoos, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got some sick ink on you, man. It's all and the use of color on it. It's yeah. Uh, when I was younger, especially like more than most people, color just sinks into my skin. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. You got a lot of inspiration from Japanese films, or what? Yeah, man. I grew up on I grew up on yeah, samurai man. movies. My my dad loved Shogun when I was a kid and old samurai movies, so I, I'd watch them with him. Mm. Nah. After this one, I'm excited. I'm excited about the next up coming up movies, especially foreign. I, I love foreign film. One of my other favorites is a French movie. I forget what it's called. Uh, the un- I forget what it's called, but it's, it's a French movie. It's we got subtitles. a bunch of French movies on our list. So it's subtitled. I, I'll probably put this one because I don't know if I actually put it on there, but it was remade by Kevin Hart in, in that new one where he's helping the paraplegic. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, foreign films hit different. They do. Uh, for sure. A lot of people don't like to read while watching a movie. And I got over that at a young age because if you want to explore different types of movies and you you got to expand past American film and films from England, there's so much good stuff out there. Pro tip. That's actually how I became really good with comedy is expanding my, not just being an American, being focused on American film and, and movies in there. It was actually my culture, a lot of Japanese and Asian movies. Their comedy is super different. Than oh yeah, it just especially it, the physical physical comedy. Yeah, and even our favorite Taika Waititi, mm-hmm. his comedy is even it's, it's it's similar. So, foreign film is where it's at when it comes to expanding and like learning more about different cultures. But comedy hits home for me when it comes to different film. Yeah, I mean, against popular opinion, I mean, we don't do everything the best when it comes to art. No one does anything the best. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's going to be good stuff coming from everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, personally, if you're listening to music, though, I mean, prefer more of my music to be in English just mm-hmm. so I understand a bit. But I mean, some I love really my good. Music. Yeah, really <laughs> some good. Some more music is good. Polynesian. Mm-hmm. If you like them island vibes. Ooh, uh, another pro tip. If you're also into foreign films or just good movies, that's about $10 a month, so that's pricier than some streaming services, but Criterion Collection's been online for a little bit now, and oh man, so much good stuff. Yeah. And they have apps you get on Roku, on, watch it on the computer. I'd also suggest HBO Max, but mm-hmm. what's lame about HBO Max is I can't use it on any of my actual TVs because they don't have deals worked out with Roku or Amazon mm-hmm. to put an app on their sticks, so I can't watch them on TV, so... I watched it on the laptop, but they have a bunch of good classics and foreign films, but not nearly as much. As far as if you're into foreign films at all and our classic movies, Criterion Channel, so good. I gotta check that out. Mm-hmm. Did we cover unnecessary ingredients? No, we didn't. We didn't even get that far yet. I don't have many. What do you got? Just that one bull. <laughs> this is graphics for the bull. I put that. <laughs> and then it's like, it's not unnecessary. I'm just like, every time I have to sit through naratsuga and his heinous acts at the beginning of the movie i'm like fuck yeah but it's but like it it's does part, yeah it's it part of up. it but yeah it's real graphic though mm-hmm. like i feel like we could have maybe just heard about it instead of <laughs> witnessing it yeah did you hear about no they actually put us right there in front of it mm-hmm. okay uh should it be remade late sequel or let it die i mean the ending and then even the captions afterwards there's no sequel there's potential no sequel, yeah and this is actually already a remake and they all right so I say it perfected the sam at least the samurai version, but I'd say any of the the few against the many. Mm-hmm. 
where a very small force has to take on a very large force. Yeah. It's my favorite version of that. Yeah. It doesn't need to be remade. Yeah. I'll go with that. Mm-hmm. We already kind of talked about what I had in the what questions do you have. It's just that whole the moral dilemma against honor. And just because those two, two sides of honor that are often in conflict in these movies about what's right. Good point. What's right as a human or what's right as a servant. I mean, even we were just talking about earlier today, that makes so much sense. People will, will go to the, their grave talking about how great their leader is, even if he's a piece of shit. Big piece of shit. Yeah. So that definitely, it's embodied in other cultures as well. It really is. <laughs> the mental gymnastics people will go through to justify the actions of someone who would not do a thing for them. Yep. There's a lot of hombays out there. A lot of fucking hombays. <laughs> Man, you got any questions or we, we covered that for you? Yeah, we good. What do you got for the film? What do you think the film's legacy is? I think I had touched a little bit when I was talking about- we both did. Yeah. It's your favorite samurai movie. Mm-hmm. That's why I said it's pretty much the high watermark for samurai or Charmbara action movies. Yeah. And I said for the few against many plot line, I think it's so good. Yep. Yeah, where you talked about where you could watch it. Yep. We did everything. Man, any parting words? Well, I mean, I'm just excited more than ever just because I kind of, this is what I doubted a little bit about foreign film, even though we talk about how great it is. is A lot of times I find myself watching ones I didn't want to watch. That's what I didn't expect from this one because, you know, your build up on it. But, I mean, I'm just super excited about all the other films coming up. So you made foreign films something that I'm looking forward to now more than ever. You know, when we're doing these all these other films, American film, and it kind of became, you know, a little mundane. This one changed up a little bit and it yeah. got me excited. It got me excited about everything. We're gonna switch genres for our next one. Yeah. So we'll come back to Samurai though. We'll do something a little more fun next time. I'll embarrass myself a little too because I used to hate watching movies and TV shows. And that's why I have way littler list, littler list than you of movies because I just thought it was a waste of time at one point. And I used to give on my fiance a lot about Netflix and watching TV shows. I love these movies that we watch and it's built up a lot of my material for comedy and just YouTube. So this is something that I definitely changed. It changed the way I looked at it. Awesome. So I appreciate you. Hey man, there's we those cats that don't play video games. We had movies. You can guess why I didn't watch most of the movies you're talking about now. Video games. Yeah. Video <laughs> games is my thing. <laughs> All right, we're gonna switch it up next time. Yeah. Galaxy Quest. Mm-hmm. Comedy. Excellent mm-hmm. comedy. Twenty one years old. Came out in ninety nine. No. I watched that when I was thirteen though. I I watched it when I was thirteen. If it was ninety nine You didn't watch it in theaters. No, I didn't. <laughs> you saw that late. Yeah, I saw it late. But yeah, that was 2003. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to change it It's going it to be a good one. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's going to reset the palette on action movies for a bit. Yeah, because I watched, so we both watched it, so we get a little, we get a little different take on it, especially getting refreshed when we watch it again. So it's going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this one. All right. I don't got anything else. You got anything else? Nope. Just be kind and make sure you. You understand the leader that <laughs> I'm gonna hit it home with that one. Yeah, don't follow pieces of shits. Yeah, the people you like might be fucking Naratsugas. <laughs> don't orange, be Hanbei. Orange Naratsuga. Don't be a Hanbei.
Waited on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For who's left after I called, I told some people to go fuck yourselves. <laughs> If they felt a certain way about a certain other person's words, thank you for sticking around. <laughs> We love you. For real. Bye. Bye.